Hello, friends. This is Darren Hayes of PigskinDispatch.com. Before we take you to your favorite Sports History Network show, just want to tell you a little bit about some merch that you can pick up that represents your favorite SHN podcast. So far, there's t-shirts, coffee mugs, and even books from some of the authors that do podcasts right here on SHN. Who could buy something better than that than have the history right from the, the gentleman that you hear talking about it? But we also are adding things each and every day. And where's that store, may you ask? Well, it's at SportsHistoryNetwork.com. Up at the top, there is the SHN. Merch button. Click on that. It'll take you right to the store, and you can be representing your favorite podcast and show the world that hey, on the swag that I'm using, it's the headquarters of sports yesteryear, Sports History Network, and my favorite podcaster, the Sports History Network store. Shop there today. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hello and welcome to the Sports History Network Showcase, our in-house show featuring SHN podcasters talking sports, talking history, and talking sports history. My name is Oz Davis, host of the Sports History Network's Truly the Goats podcast. And on this episode of the Showcase, joining me is Rick Loiza of this podcast, Basketball History 101. How are you doing this evening, Rick? I'm doing really well, Oz. Thanks. Okay, great. We got enough time to do this before the Laker game tips off, right? Yeah, I believe we do. <laughs> All right. Well, like most of the folks here at Sports History Network, I mean, you've been a sports fan since you were a kid, uh, in your case, in the mid-80s, according to your bio. Uh, but when did you first start getting into, let's say, sports history specifically? Yeah, no, great question. Uh, sports history came not that long after I started uh, watching basketball, football, really getting into sports in general. So I'm at the public library, and I'm looking through the sports books, and I come upon the book called uh, Second Wind by Bill Russell. Mm. And I check it out from the public library. I read that thing. And, of course, you know we all know Bill Russell played in the 50s and 60s. But reading that book really sparked something in me that I wanted to know where the game came from and what other stories were out there about basketball history. Your bio page at the Sports History Network, it says, quote, one of his favorite things to do is go to a bookstore and buy every basketball book he can buy. Well, you told us about your first book. Uh, let me ask you this. What are you reading lately? And what's a book that you can recommend to any sports fan? Oh uh, sure. The the book I'm I'm reading right now is called Unfinished Business, written by Jack McCallum. A lot of you if you watch the NBA or you read about the NBA today, Jack McCallum is uh he also wrote the book Seven Seconds or Less about the, the Steve Nash Phoenix Suns. So he wrote this book called Unfinished Business, which chronicles the nineteen ninety ninety one Boston Celtics. And it really kind of goes through that period of time where Dennis Johnson had just retired, Bird was starting to really experience serious back issues, McHale was starting to lose a step, and I think Robert Parrish was, I think he was already approaching 40 or something. He was already really old. So it kind of covers that part of Celtics history, and I'm almost finished with that. But if I had to say, like, one book that I would recommend if to anybody who really likes uh, basketball history, um, well, there's there's a couple of them, so I'll go through those real quick. 
One is called NBA at 50, and that book came out in 1996 to celebrate the 50th, uh, 50th anniversary of the NBA. So it really covers all the 50 greatest players, other great moments, got some really great pictures in it. Um, so that one's really, really good, really accessible. I remember that. I remember that. Yeah, that was a great moment for the NBA, 96. It, it really was. Yeah, that's a great book. My sister actually bought that one for me for Christmas one year. But another another book that's really obscure, but if you go through any basketball history book, you're almost going to always see this in the bibliography. As the authors, they put the list of books that they read in their research. It's called It's called Cagers to Jump Shots. And it's not a very long book. It's maybe 150 pages, but it does a really, really great job of covering, like, those first 40 to 50 years. So that's like the, the George Mikan days and stuff like that. No, but, oh, even before George Mikan. I think George Mikan, I don't even think he made it into the book. So this is talking mm. like the 1920s with the wow. original Celtics and the Philadelphia Spas and the invention of the game. And, and when women started playing very early in the, in the 18, about the mid-1890s. So, uh, so that was a good one. I enjoyed it. Then I noticed when I go through the bibliographies, it just keeps popping up in other people's books. So I know it's, it's, a, it's a really strong reference. And now if I could go just one more, uh, same author, it is uh, David Halberstam. He wrote a book called uh, The Breaks of the Game, which is, it, it, I think it won a Pulitzer Prize. Yeah. Uh, Breaks of the Game, very, very rare for a sports book to win the Pulitzer. But that was about the, seven, the 1977 Portland Trailblazers yeah. when they defeated the 76ers in the finals. And then he's got another one called Playing for Keeps, which goes into the early 80s. But, I mean, he covers the NBA uh, with just, I mean, a level of skill and of writing that, I mean, a true journalist covering the game. So those, both those books are really well done. Halberstam's a classic, and Breaks of the Game is a classic. Oh, yeah. Breaks of the Game is, yeah. is, is a top five sports book. I mean, that's up there with Ball Four. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah, he covered way more than just basketball. That was just, obviously, he just brought his journalistic skill to, uh, as you're you're talking about, to a variety of different sports. And then these are just, I think, two of the best that happen to cover basketball. This is Basketball History 101 with Rick Loiza. Welcome to Basketball History 101. I am your host, Rick Loiza. This is the podcast where we bring to life some of the forgotten stories from basketball history. Now, I love basketball. I love watching it. I love reading about it. I love learning about its history. The podcast was... Uh, kind of the product of a couple of different things. So when I was in high school, it was my goal to become the next Bob Costas. That's what I wanted to be. I, I wanted to be in sports broadcasting. I wanted to be a host, just do everything that he did. I wanted to be the next Costas. So with that in mind, I got into college, and I decided to go and be a DJ on the campus radio station. Because, I, yeah, I wanted to get into that. I got hired, I think it was my junior, yeah, junior year before I was able to get in. So back then, because it's just a, it's a college station, nobody's getting paid, but you had to put in your dues to get on the air because a lot of people wanted to do it. So I spent a lot of my sophomore year literally just like picking up trash around the station, doing menial tasks in order to get my shot on the air. And so I really enjoyed being on the air. I thought that um, I've been told I have a fairly decent voice for radio or for audio. So combining that with my love for sports, I thought, I think, I think this is something I can really do. And my, my son, who's my 
uh, editor, he wants to, he he liked the idea of being able to edit the audio, put the music in, and he had some really great ideas for me. So it was just out of my love for basketball, what I think is some uh, some ability in terms of speaking on air, and then my son saying, hey, I can help with the with the editing part, and I can bring that skill to to the team. So last summer we went ahead and just got started. We wrote a couple of a uh, couple of episodes, uh, got the recording down. My son does the editing, and and off off we were. It just uh, part of it was a downtime because of the COVID pandemic. So we both of us had a little bit of extra time on our hands to get it started, and and uh, yeah, that's how we got it going. The name of that podcast is Basketball History 101 at the Sports History Network. Tell us, please, about Basketball History 101. What's the uh, mission of the podcast? What are you trying to do? What's the format? Yeah, well, one of the things I wanted to do was to bring back some of these old stories that get forgotten about. You know, now that we're in the in the 21st century, I mean, you hear about, you know, the debate of who's the GOAT. Is it Jordan or LeBron? Things like that. And you don't even almost hear about Will Chamberlain so much. And you don't hear about Jerry West so much. You don't hear about uh, Bill Russell or Havlicek. And I thought, you know what? These are really great players that need to be brought back. They need to kind of be brought to the forefront of the conversation. And I thought that this would be a really great way to do it. Uh, and the reason I call it Basketball History 101 was the original concept was that it would be kind of like uh, – kind of like um, – Imagine that, like, I'm the professor, and I've got a bunch of college freshmen, and I'm doing a history course based on basketball. And so you're going to learn about the game, its impact, its development, how it's connected to the events going on in the day, and how the events of the day impacted the league and the development uh, of the game. So that, that, that's where the name comes from, because I had toyed around with the idea of maybe going to the local community college and uh, as some sort of an adjunct professor and, and offering just this one this one history course, which um, which came out of an experience that I had in college, because I had a professor in college that did the history of rock and roll. And it was a really great class. And everybody thinks, oh, yeah, you can just talk about the Rolling Stones and the Beatles, and that's it. But the, the professor really put a lot of effort into really digging into not only the, the history of rock and roll, but what was the cultural context from which these different genres and different bands came from. And so that was kind of the genesis of, well, what if I do kind of the same thing, but for basketball? So, yeah, that's where I come from. I just wanted to kind of bring back for people that maybe aren't that familiar with the history to, to bring back these old stories. And, and, and just to remind people that basketball didn't start with Michael Jordan. It started way before him. Well, it didn't even start with the NBA, ABA. You know, no, that's, not even. That... <laughs> That's the thing that blows your mind when you go back and, and look at this stuff through time. Uh, you go back to the 1880s, 1890s. There are, mm -hmm. oh, my, oh, my God, major newspapers that don't have a sports page. Yeah. We, take, we take that for granted these days, you know, that sports is an integral part of the news. I mean, like on oh, yeah. the happenings around town page, just stuff like that, stuff like uh, barnstorming which is so common in, in American sports uh, before these leagues uh, became organized. Many of them in 1920 for some reason, but in the case of baseball, the 19th century. Um, and it's wild. It's wild. There's this whole other history of these sports, if you go back far enough. 
we're going to go down a rabbit hole because what else is a podcast good for? Uh, you describe yourself as an unabashed Lakers fan. I would also uh, describe myself as the same since, like you, the mid-80s. Actually, I go back a slightly bit further than that. But you brought up Jerry West. Okay. I want to float this by you. I have a controversial opinion on the matter. Uh, they talk about this sometimes. I think Jerry West is the ultimate Laker. I, I, it's hard to argue with that. I know a lot of people want to say it's Kobe only because he has he's the all-time scorer in in franchise history. I think he's also got a few other most game, most games played as a Laker, things like that. Oh, not even close. That's the, that was the thing. Is I talked about him on another podcast for the Sports History Network, and look, the dude played something like twenty four percent more minutes in a Laker uniform. And at the end of the day, that's the key stat if you're a fan of the team, right? So good case for Kobe. Well, yeah, but but to getting back into Jerry West, the reason I would still call Jerry West, you know, Mr. Laker, if you're going to use use that name, is because not only did he play for, for the Lakers his entire career, he never played for anybody else, but then he stayed on with the organization as a general manager, yeah. as a head coach very briefly. I mean, if you if you count all the championships that he had a hand in, both as a player, coach, or general manager, he had his hand in nine of the champ, eight or nine of the championships. I think depending on when he left the Lakers, but he was involved in eight or nine championships for the team, and and nobody else comes close. Well, he got us. He got us, Kobe. He, yeah. Uh, he 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 wooed over Shaq. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. He, yeah, those are kind of well-known, but in terms of uh, – here's a kind of a, a trade that he made in the 80s that a lot of people didn't like at the time. So in around 82 or 83, he trades away Norm Nixon, who was an all-star point guard, mm-hmm. trades him away for the draft rights to Byron Scott. Mm-hmm. And looking back at it now, you say, of course, but – the thing is, is with Norm Nixon and Magic, is you had two all-star point guards, and there just were not enough basketball for both of them. Sure. They got to the point where the team could not play both at the same time. It was always one or the other, and obviously Magic was the better player. I mean, I, I guess if you're if you're an all-star point guard, you probably feel feel pretty secure in your position, unless you're Norm Nixon and an even better point guard showed up in Magic Johnson. So Norm Nixon goes to the Clippers. Byron Scott, who was a great two guard, comes back to the Lakers, and uh, they win uh, three championships yeah. with Byron Scott. So uh, he made those kind of calls. Scott was an essential part of the Lakers' uh, success in the in the Showtime era, right? So we'll take it easy on the Lakers' glory here. Sports History Network <laughs> Showcase. We'll return to talk with Rick Loiza, host of Basketball History 101, momentarily. Right, okay. Wanted to tell you about Greenland, a movie now available on digital Blu-ray and DVD. Gerard Butler, Morena Baccarin, and Scott Glenn star in the Rotten Tomatoes certified fresh pulse-pounding disaster thriller Greenland. When a planet-killing comet reaches towards Earth, a father and his family make a perilous journey to their only hope for sanctuary. While encountering the best and worst in humanity as the countdown to global apocalypse approaches zero. Own Greenland today on digital Blu-ray and DVD, which includes deleted scenes, feature commentary with director Rick Romanois, and much more. Rick, have you seen this thing? Have you seen this Greenland? 
I haven't yet, and I'm actually kind of a movie buff, but I, I haven't, uh, you know, I like Gerard Butler, I love them in, uh, I realize it's an older movie, but I like them in Timeline, I, oh, I wow. like, yeah. that, go, that goes back, yeah. but uh, it was it the, um, what's the one where he's protecting the president, uh, Olympus Has Fallen, because there was another one, yeah, because Aaron Eckhart had almost the same movie come out the same summer, so yeah, it was <laughs> I looked at this thing, and um, you know the the the, uh, the information here. The copy says that it's Paul Fountain. One of those, those expressions they like to throw around. But, but Jesus, there's like a solid hour of this thing when you're on the edge of your seat. I I really I mean I could put it down. I'm like okay, I got about an hour to kill here. I'm gonna watch this, and then you know you get to that 20 minute mark where you know traditionally that's when the plot turns, and then all of a sudden it just grabs you by the throat. You're like you're strapped on for the ride, like it's Mad Max Fury Road or something like this. Really keeps you interested for a good long stretch. You're you're it's it's gripping. So yeah, check it out. Check it out. It's worth a look for sure. All right. Let's get back to the hoops. So 24, 25 games into the NBA season, depending on how hard your team's been struck by COVID, as we're recording this. Now, with the shortened schedule, this means that we're more than like a third of the way through. We're almost 40% through for some of these teams. What are some of your biggest surprises this year so far, Rick? Well, my biggest surprise, just in terms of the actual standings, is the Cleveland Cavaliers. Now, they're no threat to win the whole thing. I know that. But as usual, I just figured the the Cavaliers were going to finish close to the bottom of the Eastern Conference. And and when you look at them today, uh, uh, I think they're somewhere around seven or eight, depending on uh, which game they won last or how they played recently. So that was just kind of a surprise. But the other one that surprised me, kind of going the other direction, is the Denver Nuggets, who just came out of the Western Conference Finals. And right now, they're sitting in the seventh seed uh, in the West. They had to win a couple of games in a row to help make that happen. But so they, I, would, I was expecting more from them, from Denver. Um, and I'm also a big shocker for me was Golden State Warriors. I figured without Clay. With with Draymond in and out of the lineup, they were not going to perform that well. But they're sitting in the eight seed right now. And I told I told a friend of mine. I said it just feels like it's Steph Curry and four random dudes. But but they're they're doing quite well. Yeah, not quite, not quite. They did well in the draft <laughs> and such. Um, yeah. <laughs> the thing about Denver is, for for years, for two three years, the knock on them is okay. Who's your number two guy after Jokic? Because Jokic is playing at MVP level right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's fine. But the knock on them has always been, who's your number two guy? And then, you know, Murray turned into this, this amazing playoffs last year. But guess what? He turned into a pumpkin again. You know, it's just like he's mm-hmm. not he's not going to be the number two guy on a championship team. So Denver doesn't blow me away that much. If you had told me, oh, yeah, Murray's going to regret, I wouldn't have been surprised at all at the beginning of the season. I think Miami's much more surprising. I mean, talk about dropping off a cliff. Oh, yeah. Every yeah. single one of those players individually has bottomed out from last year. Because maybe last year was just a peak season for these guys, like the Buccaneers, I might say. <laughs> kind of, because they, they brought back all the core players. Right. They're underperforming them. Dow- you kind of mentioned Dallas real quick, kind of same thing. I really thought Dallas 
was going to be in it in that top four, top five. And right now they're sitting at 13. Porzingis is just trash. He's just trash. <laughs> he's, just, he's just not, again, not a number two guy on a championship team, right? No, no, I, I agree with that. A shell of his former self. He, I think what Porzingis probably needs to do at this point, and, you know, he's coming from Europe. And, and you know, in Europe, they're hardcore with the fundamentals. This is why you got Dirk Nowitzki, okay? This is why you got a seven-footer who can shoot the three, right? He can shoot the fadeaway, you know, is because in Europe, everybody practices everything, right? Mm-hmm. And, and they master this, right? So I'm, what Porzingis, I believe, has to do is just switch his game up. You know, he's got, he's got to learn how to play more like a wing. I guess, you know, he's got to learn how to play uh, a get in your position kind of game, you know, set your post than he's used to. But then, you know, he has a game like he did against Golden State the other night when nobody's playing defense and he puts up like, what, 25, 27 points. So, all right. How about this one? How good? How good are the big three guys? And uh, where where do you think they uh, where do you think they how far do you think they go down the stretch, especially with a defense that isn't necessarily. You know what? I know this sounds cliche, but I'm going to go ahead and say it and said that, you know, your offense wins games, your defense wins championships. And I almost cringe as it's coming out of my mouth. (laughs) But once you get to the playoffs and you have to play the same team for up to seven games in a row, it really changes. What worked for you in the regular season may not work for you in the playoffs. And I think if you, if they run again, I, I can see them having a decent run in the playoffs, but once you get to that second round, third round, and you've got a really top notch defensive team who's going to lock down on you and, and they're not able to, that's going to be where things come to bite, bite them in the butt because uh, you've got to be able to play defense in the playoffs. You've got to be able to, to lock in on the other team's star and, and, contain him and i don't know that they've got that well they haven't kevin durant i mean i i the the one thing i've never understood about durant is why he has not been established as the number two best player in this league pretty much since about his third year in the league i mean he has been he has forget Kawhi, forget golden state warriors forget forget it it's been him all the time he's a two-way player he's the only guy that goes toe-to-toe yeah. But on the other hand, you know, you were talking about the full game series. And this is kind of the knock on Harden, right? Is because if you face up against this guy six times in nine days, you pretty much know his game. And his game mm-hmm. is pretty limited. Dribble in space for a long time, fake a couple of times, and shoot. It's like yeah. <laughs> you adapt you can adapt to that, you know. So so we'll yeah. see. We'll see if they're different. I mean, Kyrie in a vacuum is a top 10 shooter in this league. Um, We'll see how emotionally he he stands up down the stretch. What about this one? Can the Sixers win the East? Can the Sixers win the East? I I don't know if they've got the maturity to go seven games against Boston. I know Boston's a little bit lower, but when you got to lock in, I think Boston has what it takes if they run into each other. That right now they're the one and the four, which means they play each other's second round. I, I think Boston. I think Boston takes them. Uh, I don't know that the seventy six is not a talent issue. I just don't know that they've got kind of the the mental fortitude to get over the hump 
uh, in a seven-game series against Boston. Okay, so if I, if I cover the Celtics at like plus four eighty, and they and they don't pay out, I'm I'm coming back yeah. at you. I'm coming back <laughs> at you. Now. Let's shift to the West. Similar question. Are the Jazz as good as they look right now? Uh, last I looked, they're 19 and 5 and leading the West. Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> I, would, I mean, obviously, they're playing great basketball. They got the best record in the league right now. And, and I'm not trying to take that uh, away from them. But I think that when it comes down to one needing a bucket, now they do have Donovan Mitchell, and I think that's the guy. Yeah. Anytime you get to the playoffs, you're going to have one or two games where it comes down to putting the ball in your superstar's hands, and he has to go get a bucket for you in clutch time. And so that's going to be Donovan Mitchell. Um, yeah, he'll probably get one of those games, but I, I don't see him getting the other one. Um, I think they'll make some noise, but I don't see them getting beyond the Western Conference Finals. And that's only because they're going to have to – in order to do that, you'd have to either beat some combination of beating the Lakers, beating the Clippers, um, and who knows where Denver will be, you know, come playoff time. We don't know. But, so that's just a lot to ask of Denver. They're still um, – I think they're still just finding their way. <laughs> and we're almost 40% of the way done this season. You can't, uh, you can't uh, be saying that for too much longer. Uh What's up with the Clippers? Was it all the bubble? <laughs> um, uh, you know, I haven't had a chance to read Jared Dudley's new book about the time in the bubble. I, I plan to yeah. go and pick that up. Yeah, but, uh, I'm, looking, I'm looking forward <laughs> yeah, to that. Yeah, shout out to Jared Dudley, right? Mm -hmm. um, but I, I, one of the things that I was hearing was that Paul George was starting to experience some some level of depression in the bubble, you know, being away from his family or whatever for for. Uh, at that point, it was over two months at the time they got knocked out. I, I heard that that was that may have played a role. Um, I, oh, I know yeah, they the certainly, was just they so certainly looked unhappy and just kind of limpid out there, basically. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm sure that had some effect. Um, so so I guess this means that Paul George. This is the season when Paul George is clutch in the playoffs, right? Well, it's a playoff P. If this is the year, if he wants to, to prove himself, this is the year to do it. And honestly, I'm, I mean, let's just wait and see. I'm not saying he is going to do it. I'm not saying he's not going to do it. Mm -hmm. But if he is going to do it, it's got to be this year. Yeah, one would think. You can finally live up to the Gatorade commercial. Okay. How about this one? Uh, right now in the West, and again, we're – far into this season so we have to start talking yeah. about we have to start talking about this kind of stuff um here are the teams going for the seven to ten spots okay there's some intriguing teams in here all right you've got the kings the kings are at number seven when was the last time that happened they had bloody divac i think kings uh, yeah. <laughs> kings nuggets warriors rockets grizzlies pelicans mavericks that's one two three four, that's seven Okay, you would have to eliminate three of those. Wow, it would be tough. 
Who, mm. who, would, who would you eliminate there? Um, yeah, who do I eliminate? I, I think the I think the Rockets, for me, they're yeah they would be out. I'm sad to say that I think Dallas would be out just on what I've seen so far. And you're right, we're we're right around the one third mark in the NBA schedule, and we really haven't seen anything from Dallas that would make me believe that they're going to turn it on or, 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 or find whatever the thing is that they need to do. So I'm just not seeing it from Dallas. So Dallas, Houston, mm, maybe <laughs> who else would I take out? Yeah. It's um, like at that point it comes down to the Grizzlies and the Pelicans, assuming that the Kings don't collapse completely. Yeah. And I think the Pelicans are starting to, they're starting to find a groove. They've won four games in a row. Yeah. I think things are starting Things are starting to mesh for them. So I like what they're doing. Um, and Memphis, I mean, that's my kids' team, too. My kids like Memphis. But, yeah, I, I, again, I mean, they're, they're, all their stars, I think, are 22 or younger. And I just it's, it's not their time yet. Yeah, the Pelicans. I watched them last night. Oh, boy. <laughs> they're starting to look good. <laughs> they're starting yeah. to look good over there. Uh, mm-hmm. All right, last one on this. Uh, bit of a loaded question, but – are the Lakers still the favorites? I, you know, and I, I don't say this just because I'm a Lakers fan. I'll say this on any given year, regardless of who's the champion. Uh, assuming that the champion has brought back all their key players, then they're the favorite until somebody proves otherwise. I'm a big believer on 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 doing it on the court. If you want to say that the Lakers aren't the favorites, well, then go beat them. And uh, so until somebody knocks them off, I, I think I think they're there. I think they are. I think they lost a little bit when they lost both McGee and Dwight Howard in the off season. Um, Cause they don't, those are those, those, both of those were such top notch defenders, at least in my opinion. I mean, they can still for, for limited minutes, they can bring it on defense. So that would be the one area where I think they got a little bit weaker, but I think everywhere else, they're just as strong or stronger. So. Uh, oh yeah. Well, that's, the, I'm hoping they, they can do it. They demonstrably improved on the off season, dude. I mean, I mean, Dennis Schroeder, dude. Oh, <laughs> that was like the acquisition of the offseason. It was basically the first one, <laughs> you know. Yeah, and, I, and, you know, that's like that's a serious upgrade. And and you got to remember, yeah, it was fun seeing Dwight Howard become like a viable basketball player again. And JaVale McGee, I'll never say anything bad about a Team USA guy, but you know, I mean, the truth is they were sitting out whole playoff series. You know, it's like, it's like you can run with Davis and LeBron as your biggest guys. You can do mm-hmm. that. You're going to face Golden State in a playoff series. You can do that. Um, it'll yeah. be interesting to see what they do uh, if they face the Nets in the finals or even the Sixers. Although, yeah, although the Sixers probably won't be too difficult. I think we could score on them pretty easy. We, see, Laker fans. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's. I was a little bit disappointed with losing Dudley because I think he was a plus on the defense, but screw it. We got Schroeder. Yeah, he is way better than I thought he was. And I, I've seen him play plenty with with the Thunder. I've seen him play before, but when you're watching him every single night, yeah, you get a different appreciation for what he brings. In any case. All right. Well, Rick Louisa, um, Basketball History 101. When do you release new episodes of the show? So our episodes release uh, every Tuesday. Uh, so they come out, you know, kind of like middle of the night on an early Tuesday morning. 
but that's our schedule. Once a week, uh, you you get a new episode. Uh, the episodes just cover uh, a different story from basketball history. Sometimes it's just a player profile, you know, covering a player from the past or a coach from the past. Sometimes it's a specific story uh, that happened that has uh, a basketball impact, sometimes a social impact. So, uh, but yeah, every Tuesday. Can give us a sneak peek of your next episode? Yeah, the next episode is, I got to just double check what I'm, what I got the list, because I'm usually recording about 10 episodes ahead of time. Wow. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm always, jealous. <laughs> yeah, always, yeah, so I've always got, uh, or actually not recorded, but I have like 10 episodes uh, researched and written uh, about 10 weeks out. So the next episode that is coming out is the original Celtics. That's what it is. It's the uh, original uh, Celtics, which are a team, a barnstorming team based out of New York City, and they just dominated the 1920s. And so we go back, we find out that story, how they developed, how they dominated, and they had four future Hall of Famers on that team. So they were, uh, I mean, they were a juggernaut. Nice. Rick Louisa, host of the Basketball History 101 podcast right here on the Sports History Network. Thanks for joining us on the showcase. All right, well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. This has been the SHN Showcase Podcast. We'd like to thank our special guest, Rick Moisa, host of the Basketball History 101 Podcast, which can be found at sportshistorynetwork.com or wherever you get your podcast. The theme song for the SHN Showcase is Quartz by Tech and it is available through a fair use agreement via freemusicarchive.org. SHN Showcase will be back soon with another Sports History Network podcast. Until then, this is Oz Davis saying stay safe and stay historical. Hey there, sports history fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude. And I hope that you enjoyed this recent episode presented by the Sports History Network and were able to learn some good old-fashioned sports history knowledge nuggets. I started the Sports History Network back in 2020 with the mission to help podcasters find a community of like-minded sports history nerds as well as helping aspiring podcasters to start their own shows. We have a little bit over 30 shows on the network right now covering all sorts of sports history. But as far as I'm concerned, we're just at the toothpick in the ocean moment. You know that. Can't even figure it out because there's so much more coming. We wanted to create the ultimate headquarters for sports yesteryear, starting with Podcast Network and our website. But we're going to continue to move into other mediums as well. And here's the cool part, because we want you to be part of our team. So if you're interested in starting your own podcast or maybe being a guest on one of our shows, or who knows, maybe even writing an article for us over on the website. Seriously, all you gotta do is reach out to us on the contact page over at sportshistorynetwork.com. You can be as technologically savvy as a Neanderthal tapping on a stone trying to figure out this whole hieroglyphics thing back in the day. Again, it doesn't matter, because even if you don't understand the whole podcast space, we have a production team that can pretty much help you out with doing everything. All you gotta do, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com, head to the contact page, fill it out. That message goes right to me and I'll reach out to you as soon as I can. But for now, dude, I'm through if you're through.